0: Hello from Puerto Vallarta, and welcome to Episode 3 of Season 2 of My Mexican Mistakes. And as some of you know, I call this podcast My Mexican Mistakes because I moved to Mexico, sight unseen, had never been here before. I moved here in June of 2019, not speaking the language, not understanding the metric system, No idea how the money works, and yet I love it. But I do make a lot of mistakes. But you have to know that moving to Mexico was not a mistake. And so this podcast is a little bit of a travelogue, a little bit about my mistakes, or perhaps a lot about my mistakes. Just depends on what happens from episode to episode. So I'm now in Puerto Vallarta. Technically Puerto Vallarta, but closer to Marina Vallarta than to what they call the Old Town, the Romantic Town, the Malecon, the Hotel District. There's a lot of parts of Puerto Vallarta. And then there's Nuevo Vallarta. So there's a lot of Vallartas, because there's Nuevo Vallarta, Puerto Vallarta, and Marina Vallarta. And then there's a lot of parts to Puerto Vallarta. So lots of opportunities to make mistakes. But I have to tell you about the mistake I made this morning. Um, This was not going to be the lead story on my Mexican mistakes, but that's life in Mexico. You never know what the lead story is going to be. But So here I am in Puerto Vallarta, closer to Marina Vallarta, with the dog that adopted me in Sayulita, um, who I've called Shyla. To be honest, I don't like that name, but when I found her or she found me, depending on whose perspective uh, you're looking at it from, my uh, hippie, old hippie neighbor, Crazy Annie, who is a very kind-hearted person but out of her mind, she suggested I name her Shyla because the dog was so shy. I did not like that name, but I didn't give a rat's ass what I named her because I wasn't planning on keeping her, and it was fine. Of course, after a few days, you know, no, I wouldn't give the dog up. Um, And now I am stuck. And more importantly, she is stuck with the name Shiloh. But to get back to my mistake. So I've only been in this place here in uh, Puerto Vallarta a few days. Uh, It's a great place, and I'll tell you more about it in a minute. But there is a beach not exactly nearby, but about a two-mile walk. Um, from my place uh, called Boca Negro or Boca Negra. Um, And it's it's really a small beach, kind of secluded. And like I said, it's about a two-mile walk. So when people tell me, oh, the dog came into your life for a reason, because people in Sayulita are really big on two things. The dog came into your life for a reason and just offer it up to the universe. Go to the universe for help. The universe will answer all of your questions. Uh, You know, I'm not that person, but they are. And so, to get back to if the dog has a purpose in my life, it's to make me walk about five miles a day because I've got to give her long walks because she's big and she's young. And I want her to, you know, use that energy she needs to work out. So, as a consequence, there we were at the beach. It was early. There was nobody else on that beach, which is why I take her so early so she can just run freely and chase birds. And I've already told her, if you go into the ocean, you're on your own. I am not rescuing you. I am not that strong of a swimmer. I am a swimming pool, swimming pool swimmer, not, an, uh, not a Pacific Ocean swimmer. Um, I don't swim where there are waves. So, you know, every time she goes up to the edge of that ocean to chase birds or whatever else she's chasing, I warn her, you're on your own if you go into that ocean. But anyway, so we're on the beach and I'm warning her and throwing sticks and doing all these things I never saw myself doing like a month ago. Uh, And that includes being up early, already having walked two miles and being on a beach because I don't even like the beach that much. I like looking at the beach. I don't like being on it because I don't like sand. Um, Sand gets everywhere, but that's another story. But she's having a great old time on the beach, and then this couple comes up. They're the only two other human beings on the beach. Um, They look about my age. Shyla runs up to them and gets sand all over them, just like she gets it all over me. But they were super accommodating about it. Nice, friendly. They were Americans, um, which is not surprising. It would be more surprising to meet a Mexican in Puerto Vallarta. But I'll get to that in a minute. So we start talking. Where are you from? Chicago. Oh, I'm from Chicago, too, I say. Now, at this point, we had been talking about dogs and uh, Vallarta and the beach and a lot of small talk for about I don't know, four or five minutes. We had not g- introduced ourselves in terms of, you know, our names. And it was after about four or five minutes that I asked them where they were from. When they said Chicago, it was, you know, surprising because here we were, the only three people on this kind of secluded beach. And I said, Oh, Chicago, I'm from Chicago. And then the guy goes, Are you Karen? And You know, it was a really shocking moment because I was like, oh my God, do I know this person? Do I have Alzheimer's? Was I supposed to meet this person? Who is this guy? How does he know my name is Karen? In the space of like a millisecond, I envisioned a lot of different crazy scenarios. And then he goes, Karen, it's Jerry Marconi. And I was like, Jerry Marconi? Like, Jerry Marconi, I know Jerry Marconi. Um, and it was, he was with his wife, Michelle, who I did not know, but, you know, we met and I knew Jerry in Chicago and, uh, he was a lawyer and I'd see him at work a lot cause he was a former state's attorney. Um, but he had cases, uh, at 26th street and, but it was like, I just, it, I was not expecting Jerry Marconi. And also we were on this beach and the only people and we all were wearing sunglasses too. It was not dark, but we were all wearing sunglasses. Um, And so he said, he recognized like my voice first. He was like, this sounds like Karen, but what would Karen be doing on this beach in Puerto Vallarta with this dog? Um, So clearly he did not listen to my Mexican mistakes, but anyway, super nice guy, excellent lawyer, and uh, so I guess my big mistake was that I talked to a guy that I actually have known for over 20 years and didn't know it was him. Um, so that was this morning. Uh, and then uh, I, we, uh, we, as Shyla and I left, um, I stopped for coffee and uh, not to have breakfast because I can't have breakfast before I give her breakfast. But I did stop to get a coffee that I could take home with me and um, met some really nice people at the coffee place that I sat with them while I was waiting for my coffee. And they were all Canadians and Dutch. Because like I said, you will very rarely meet an actual person from Mexico in Puerto Vallarta. Um, In addition to running into Jerry Marconi, and this was not a mistake, I had dinner a couple of nights ago, with an old friend of mine from 26th Street, Joanna Krolicki. Uh, she was with her husband. Joanna is a retired court reporter. And so, of course, I felt sorry for the husband because Joanne and I did nothing but gossip about the people from our old job, uh, criminal courts, state's attorneys, judges, defense attorneys, public defenders, sheriffs. We had a lot of ground to cover and uh, we had a great time. Now, when I met Joanne and her husband, They were kind enough to, they were, they're staying in like the old town part of Vallarta. I think it's called the old town. There's a romantic town, the old town, like I said, there's a million parts of Puerto Vallarta, but it's about a 10, 15 minute cab ride from where I'm staying. But I asked them if they could meet me in the marina um, because there's a lot of restaurants there. There's a lot more where they're staying, but there's a lot of restaurants but it's because I hadn't really been out much in Vallarta with Shaila. And in Sayulita, you just walk everywhere because the town's about one square block. But, uh, you know, here, it's bigger. It's a city. It's a lot of cities all combined into one. So they were kind enough to come to the marina for dinner. And um, the restaurant, which was excellent, um, was very accommodating about having a dog in the restaurant, as many places are here. Um, because she's well-behaved and um, only begged, you know, from me and doesn't beg that much. But um, anyway, so they came down here or up here. I have no idea what the directions are, but uh, we had a great time, lots of laughs, lots of gossip, delicious food, delicious drinks, and I was going to walk home because I had walked there. It's only about a 10 or 15 minute walk for me, but there's to get to the marina from where I'm at. I have to walk down a side street for about three blocks and it's kind of a small dusty. Um, I, am not sure how well it, it is at night side street. And then it's one main street, like all the way to the marina. So when we were done, I, uh, you know, Shiloh behaved very well at the restaurant, but I knew that she needed to get out and walk a little bit. So I let her walk a little bit around the marina. And then I thought, I'm just going to take a cab home. Because it is the the road is unpaved. Once you get off the big street. And as usual, the sidewalks, you know, come and go. And will surprise you with holes and, you know, drops and then Pick it up again. So I thought, oh, you know what? I had not paid enough attention to it. I'd only been here a couple days. Safer to take a cab, and we'll just get right home. So then I'll see what you know what it really is like. So I can navigate it at night. Um, In terms of sidewalks that stop and and don't exist, and you could just fall right into the street. So I got a cab, and uh, the cab pulls up, and Shiloh won't go in the cab. Now, the marina is really busy. It's like being, you know, I don't know, like on um, Milwaukee Avenue in Logan Square, where all the bars are. Um, But of course, you know, everybody looks much better or much worse, depending on your perspective. But anyway, just imagine a busy, crowded restaurant, um, you know, like River North area, It's probably a better comparison um, where there's cab stopping and people and people eating and drinking and wandering around. And it's like a little bit of a madhouse later at night um, because it's like party town, um, especially in the marina, because, you know, it's people are just hanging out and they have happy hour that goes from like five till nine. So it could be like called happy five hours. But anyway, so in the midst of all this chaos, I have a 42-pound German Shepherd mix that refuses to get in the cab. I finally get her in the cab, and she sits down like, oh, it was never a problem. Like, why are you mad? Like, I'm perfectly happy being in a cab. After that hell of getting her into the cab, it was like a five-minute ride to my place. Um, and we get to my place, and I open the door, and I get out, and now she won't get out of the cab. And I am pulling her and yelling at her and the cab driver is trying to push her and I am threatening to leave her in the cab where she can just live with the cab driver for the rest of her life. And so then the cab driver uh, had a smart idea. He said, just walk away and she'll follow you. I think that's what he said. It was in Spanish, but I'm pretty sure that's what he said. And um, I walked away and I looked behind me and she just like was just sitting in the cab looking at me. So that idea didn't work, but I did learn something about her, which is that she really doesn't listen to me. So finally, I got her out, but it created such a ruckus that the people who own the Airbnb I'm staying at, like the woman came out with her dog who's a chihuahua and hates everyone, and then the Chihuahua was barking, and Shiloh was barking, and I just thought, I'm, we're just gonna be thrown out of here, and maybe we'll just both be deported because this conduct is awful. Um, and, uh, but the woman is so kind at the Airbnb, really nice. And she, the next day, sent me the name of her friend who runs an obedience training center, um, not for me, for the dog. And uh, we have an appointment on Friday for an assessment. Um, Because, you know, when you have a small dog and that dog is giving you a hard time, no one cares. You can just pick up that dog and shove him in your purse. But this dog, and she's not, she's just the biggest dog I've ever had. But she's not, uh, uh, you know, in the world of big dogs, she's not that big. She's more medium size. But she weighs, like I said, about 42 pounds, I think, because she's 21 kilos. So I think that's 42 pounds. It could be more. I don't know. It's really, she feels really heavy when she won't do what I ask her to do. So, and she has to know that, you know, I'm the boss, not her. Although I've never made that impression on anyone in my whole life. I don't know why I think this dog will accept that. But anyway, so we're going to obedience lessons. But I love the fact that the woman who owns Airbnb was like, you might want to talk to my friend. She runs an obedience training center. And also the woman has a uh, dog boarding service which is going to come in handy because uh, I periodically, you know, will have to come back to the States, and at least while we're in Vallarta, this is a good place to leave her. Although, quite frankly, the cab was also looking like a good place to leave her. So uh, I had a great time with Joanne and her husband, but I did um, have a bad end to that night, and I don't think we'll be going out for a while. If you're wondering, why can't I go out without her? um, I could, but I don't know what kind of a ruckus she would raise. So I'd feel better doing that after uh, her obedience classes. Because that's another thing is she's super attached to me. And I'm not saying that bragging because I'm not bragging. I wish she was not so attached to me. I wish she'd find more friends. I mean, she's not going to find more friends here in the Airbnb because the only other dog is a Chihuahua that hates everybody. But that's just how Chihuahuas are. I don't even take it personally. And I told Shiloh not to take it personally either. Chihuahuas, and I saw this on a photo once, are basically two halves of, of half is hate and half is trembling. Um, and that pretty much sums up Chihuahuas. On a side note, If you watched the great narco novella, Senora Acero, as I did for all five seasons, never missing an episode, um, you would remember from seasons two and three, the governor of the state of Chihuahua, who was like the world's worst governor, except maybe for Blagojevich and uh, that other guy that went to prison from Illinois. But the governor of Chihuahua was super corrupt cruel, sadistic, um, mean, which I guess is another word for cruel and sadistic, Um, but uh, naturally attached to his mother, who was even scarier than him, but that's a different story. But I always felt that as much as I am not crazy about chihuahuas as a breed, um, although they are sort of funny, but uh, I always thought that a chihuahua... Would make a better Governor of the state of Chihuahua than the Governor of Chihuahua and Senora acero, but that 's another story, so we did leave Sayulita on Tuesday. Um, I did get Shyla in the car, but she came out a little bit more willingly than the cab ride the other night, I think because it 's a long ride, and she probably just wanted to get out but it was uh it 's a beautiful ride through the jungle and Kind of the mountains. I don't know. I don't know much about nature, but it's really a beautiful ride between Sayulita and Puerto Vallarta. It's about 45 minutes. We got to the Airbnb, and you know, I, I mentioned, I think in the last episode, I had been worried about uh, taking Shyla in when we were in Sayulita because I had made that reservation when I didn't have a dog and I had no intention of getting a dog, and the ad on that Airbnb clearly says no pets allowed. So, you know, those last couple of weeks in Sayulita, I was terrified we were going to get busted and thrown out. And then not only would she be living on the street, but I would be living on the street, too. Um, And having broken the rule, I probably could not ask for my money back. Um, So I went through great pains to keep Shyla a secret as much as I could. Um, I didn't leave her alone in the place ever. And I felt I had to do that because what if the cleaning lady or property manager dropped by? I did not want to have that. If that was going to be a disaster, you know, I had to be here for it. Um, and it wouldn't be fair to have, you know, for them to go in and then this dog uh, who is, you know, she is a shepherd mix, um, greets them. So I I didn't leave her alone ever. And as a consequence, now it's going to be hard to leave her alone, but that's a different issue. I went through, like I said, great pains to try to keep her secret as much as I could. Um, and on the day before I left, the property manager came to say goodbye. And by this point, it had already been revealed to me that the actual owners of the property were the people next door who saw Shiloh from the beginning and uh, heard me talking about her and the story of keeping her and everything. So the people who own the property already knew I had a dog. The cleaning lady, as it turned out, lived kitty corner from me. And so I learned that she saw me all the time walking the dog and the property manager lived about a block away and heard I had a dog before she saw the dog, but she also knew I had a dog. So the jig was up with everybody concerned. All my efforts to engage in subterfuge and all the stories I had concocted, none of it mattered because at the end of the day, everybody knew. Because Sayulita is Mayberry, except in Spanish and with better food. Um, And no Floyd the Barber. But, you know, you'll see chickens in the street. You will see occasionally, not as often, I guess, as people used to, people riding horses in the street, but I did see it plenty. Uh, people riding horses off the beach onto the street, um, which I feel like I'm in an aftershave commercial when I see that. Uh, but it's it's a very friendly place, but it's a small town. So everybody knew I had a dog, including all people concerned with the management. But uh, the woman was so nice who ran the Airbnb in Sayulita, She said that if I ran into a problem when I got to Vallarta, because although the Airbnb in Vallarta didn't have the no pets rule, um, it didn't say you could bring pets. Uh, And so I wasn't sure what to expect, but they couldn't be more welcoming and friendly towards uh, Shyla. I can't say the same for their chihuahua, but, you know, that's a chihuahua. So the woman who ran the Airbnb in Sailita said, if you have a problem just turn around and come back. The place is available. And I thought how funny that would be if I did have a problem in Vallarta. And then I just said to the driver, well, that's it. Let's go back to Sayulita. And after all my big goodbyes in Sayulita, which I really grew to love, I really did grow to love Sayulita. Um, Just and I guess maybe it was because I had the dog and people were very nice and helpful. And the vet was across the street and there was a market across the street for me that I could go to it was like having a cooler in my backyard basically um with that little market across the street but uh i just i did come to love that town uh, even though i am not a surfer but uh but when i got to Vallarta, they were very um open to Shyla and um helpful and so i can't uh you know i i cannot Uh, I, I cannot say how lucky I am to have found the people I have found to stay with. And honestly, they're all through Airbnb. And I'm not doing a commercial for Airbnb. But I have not had a bad experience yet. And in fact, every experience has been really, really positive. So now, one of the things I wanted to do when I came to Mexico was improve my Spanish. And you know, after six months in Mexico City, I think it did get a little better. Not a lot, but I think it did get a little better. Um, it Sayulita was like the death knell for my Spanish. In fact, I would go so far as to say that because Sayulita is so filled with Canadians, and when I say filled with Canadians, I mean... Nine out of every ten people you meet are from Canadian. Not only did my Spanish um, suffer, but I believe now um, it would not be hard for me to slip into English with a Canadian accent because I spent a lot of time talking to Canadians. And Canadians from, like, like not Montreal or Quebec. Like, they didn't have a French accent. It was like the Canadians that... Like, talk like, you know, Bob and Doug McKenzie from the Great White North. Um, and it would not be hard for me to slip into that action, accent. There's nothing wrong with the accent, but I did not do anything for my Spanish that month in Sayulita. And like I said, um, now in Puerto Vallarta um, and Marina Vallarta and Nuevo Vallarta, uh, there's so many Americans and Canadians and uh there's there's so many companies engaged in you know the business of tourism here that really this uh, to me it is like like the like Disneyland like Disneyland's version of Mexico that's Puerto Vallarta and I don't mean that in a bad way what I mean is it's extremely like approachable and easy and everybody speaks English um and so it's the food. It's like kind of like Mexican food, but it's not like the Mexican food I had in Mexico City, certainly. Uh, It's like the American or English or Canadian version of Mexico. Um, And again, I I, I don't mean it in a bad way. It's just sort of funny. You can really see a difference, a huge difference. Um, And this is this weird thing. Okay, so Like I said before, I live off of uh, this main street. This main street is such a main street that I can't even call it a street. It's like a four-lane or six-lane highway, six lanes, um, with an island every two lanes, um, with four or six different traffic controls, maybe more. And the traffic controls exist maybe every couple of miles there's traffic controls. So when you want to cro- Once again, I'm having problems crossing the street. Um, that is very reminiscent of Mexico City, but I actually think it was easier than this setup. To cross this street, which I call a highway, you have to watch like so many different traffic signals and then the traffic itself. Um, and basically... It takes about 10 minutes to cross that street because I get across a few lanes. Then I have to stop at the island because I'm afraid that the next set of lanes, their light will change. And so I err on the side of safety because I have this dog. Um, And once we get on the island, we stay until the light turns red and then it turns green again, which is exactly how I used to cross the street in Mexico City, but they didn't have as many lanes. In Mexico City, When you have a street like this, because there are streets like this that are highways with traffic lights and you just hope they're going to follow the light, they have overpasses that you can use to cross the street um, because it's just hard. But I can't get anywhere really unless I cross that main street because the marina's on the other side of the street, the small shopping mall that has like the grocery store and the coffee shop and, you know, the very typical strip mall. ATM, all that stuff, everything important to my life in Marina Vallarta or Puerto Vallarta is on the other side of that street. And the hell of crossing that street that I have to do at least twice a day, sometimes four times a day, is mind-boggling. And now because I have this dog that refuses to get into and then out of cabs, it's it's I can't just take a cab anywhere. So right now, I am sort of trapped. It's a beautiful place to be trapped, but I'm a little trapped, and that's why this dog is starting obedience classes on Friday. But to get back to this street, so here's the thing. When I walk out of my place and I walk towards the busy street, which like I said is like a three block walk, it's like like the street is very typical of smaller streets I've seen throughout Mexico. Uh, Unpaved in part, kind of gravelly, kind of dusty smaller buildings, um, little stores here and there, little tiny restaurants here and there, um, mainly families, Um, you know, it's just, it's super typical. Then you cross the street, and if you survive crossing that street, um, you walk down this kind of long, winding, tree-lined, beautifully paved, manicured lawns street, that you feel like you're in Coral Gables. I mean, you could be anywhere on that street. When you're on my side of the street, you're absolutely in Mexico. You would not mistake my side of that big street for anywhere other than Mexico or maybe another Latin American country. But when you cross that street and walk down like those, uh, the streets on the other side of the big street, you really could be almost anywhere in Florida Arizona, California. Um, it's just these big houses, and like I said, manicured lawns and paved streets and fake cobblestone. And it's, that's why this place reminds me of like Disney's version of Mexico. Um, and there's an American school that I walked past, a huge, huge school, the American school. And it's for, I think, kid- kindergartner through high school. Senior year high school. And I'm here to tell you, having walked past that school a few times, having encountered many of those students at the places in the mall, um, that you'll be happy to know that the teenagers at the American school in Puerto Vallarta are as annoying as the teenagers at the American schools in Chicago and probably everywhere else in the states. Um, they are super annoying. Um, and they're extremely precocious and I'm a little bitter because a lot of them drive and I just wonder where they get the confidence at 17 years old to drive in Mexico. I will never have it. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode. More to come on my new life in Puerto Vallarta and my new life with this dog and hopefully when you hear from me next she will have had a week's worth of obedience and I hope that works. If they can at least train her to get in and out of a cab without causing an accident or traffic tie-up, I'd be eternally grateful. Buenos tardes, and we'll talk again soon. Gracias.